Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. Opportunities will be presented to you throughout your life, and it's up to you to, to grab hold of them and identify them and make the most of them. I would always say yes for sort of probably the first 10 or 15 years of my career to opportunities because I really believe you either succeed or you learn. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by David Greenberg. David's the CEO and founder of EVE, a workplace noise management and intelligent hearing protection company. David founded the company with the intention of ending the isolation and loneliness that comes with hearing loss. Before founding EVE, David worked as an NHS audiological clinician and gained a PhD in order to treat neuroscience. David joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, David. It's great to have you with us. Thanks so much, Amy. Oh, Pleasure to be here. To and, and so can you tell us a little bit about EVE, the organisation that you lead and what you're hoping to achieve, please? Sure. So uh, it, it goes back a little way to my time working in the NHS, actually, um, where I was basically working with people who uh, were exposed to harmful substances uh, at work uh, quite commonly. And it was a sort of thing where it felt so preventable, um, the diseases that, that kind of followed, uh, that it was actually quite frustrating working within the NHS because it was almost like you were meeting them too late. Yeah. Uh, and whatever kind of therapy or advice you could give to them at that point, it would have been a lot better had they received it maybe 20 or 30 years prior. Um, and so really that, that sort of started me on this journey, um, first of all doing a, a PhD in auditory neuroscience, uh, which was about communication, about how people, um, what, what happens to the brain when it's, it's um, sort of prevented from getting the right stimulation. Um, and it, you know, it even led into things like um, dementia, early onset dementia, and broadly it was always couched in healthy aging. Uh, and, and for me, there was this this piece around the quality of life versus life expectancy. And it always bugged me that uh, we, as a society, especially in the UK with the NHS, fantastic at keeping people alive, um, but actually the last 20, 30, even 40 years of life were often spent with, with sort of a whole bunch of comorbidities um, and issues that meant that the person's quality of life was generally pretty, pretty poor. So I got really motivated and passionate about how do we close that gap so that a person is able to live more of their life in a, in a healthy fashion and basically be happier, um, uh, you know, throughout their, throughout their time. And Eve is really the, the manifestation of, of that passion, I suppose, where, um, you know, I tried to do it through academia. I tried to do it through the clinical work. Um, but, you know, with academia, I found it, you know, it was quite slow, uh, quite tortuous to really make progress in some ways, although the freedom was, was fantastic. Um, and equally within the clinical work, it was, it was direct impact, but on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. You know, the person coming into the clinic, you can work with them, their life is better as a result, but what about everybody else? And, and really that led me through to entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism um, and, and in the end starting a business to solve the same problem um, of how do you keep people healthier and happier for longer? Uh, and we, we sort of focus on where we can do that, which is really an occupational health and well-being. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a bit of why we're, why we're doing it and why Eve exists. Fantastic. It's on, I don't know whether it was, was it Desmond Tutu that said you can keep pulling people out of the river, but sooner or later you need to go upstream and figure out who's pushing them in or why they're falling in. Well, there you go. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and so as a leader of that kind of organisation, so Eve is six and a half years old. 
Yeah. So, right, yeah. As a leader of that organisation, so what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? Mm. Well, we sort of learned to walk now, uh, and now it's sort of we're going into uh, the second or third year of primary school, where you kind of yeah. learn how to, you know, you know a little bit how to read, but now you need to start, you know, actually putting the words together and making sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of a business, we we are very early stage still, um, but at the same time, we have a whole variety of customers, primarily within the construction sector, who really believe in what we're doing um, and they really value the technology that we've developed and the solution that we're bringing, but there's still a long way to go to actually achieve what is possible, to really achieve our potential. Um, because for me, any occupational disease, you know, by their very nature, it's preventable. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's a long way to go there. Um, so we're, we're early stage, but um, we've made amazing progress over the time. We're on the third generation of our hardware solution, sixth generation of the software solution that comes along with it. Um, and we're working with those companies that want to make a change. Um, and it, it's, it's a big step to sort of open that kind of worms where, you know, they, they know that people are leaving work less well than when they arrived mm-hmm. um, and it, it takes you know it, it, it's it's hard to accept that fact as, a, as an employer um, but that is the first step of course in in addressing it yeah absolutely and I was doing a bit of research on the organization I didn't realize there was such a link between hearing loss and dementia that's mm. not an obvious it's not an obvious link for for me anyway no sure yeah I mean it, it's one of those things that if you have a person um, in your life who is has hearing loss um, and has maybe had hearing loss for a long time, then you, you sort of tend to see that. Um, and it, it's, it's simply linked to an increased cognitive load when you're trying to communicate um, is one reason why there is that link. So if a person is struggling to hear, um, you know, each person only has a certain, let's say, mental bandwidth mm-hmm. um, amount of, you know, what, what they can process. And if, if you're already straining to hear, then you do things like relying on lip reading and relying on contextual clues, um, which all of that is, is, is causes fatigue. Um, and as fatigue increases, cognitive processing worsens and so on. Um, and then equally, parts of the brain need stimulation uh, to, to continue functioning. So the, the, the hearing center in the brain um, needs auditory input to maintain its neural connections. Uh, and if you go deaf, then it can eventually be taken over by other parts, other sensory organs, for example, you know vision or smell or whatever it might be um so yes you you do there is that link now um it's always been there but it was a lancet publication in 2015 that really brought it out and there's been various iterations on that since um and it is a really important fact for people to understand that hearing loss in midlife is the number one modifiable factor when it comes to uh, early onset dementia so yeah if you can prevent people from going deaf in the first place brilliant uh, if a person has already gone deaf if they get a hearing aid that's also really helpful um, but for me prevention over cure and also of course yeah. a hearing aid isn't a cure for hearing loss it's just sort of a, a bandage almost yeah yeah absolutely makes perfect sense when you when you explain it that way but it's not it's not obvious to everybody is no, it? no it's not obvious on the outset no no and, and so you've given us a little bit of an insight in terms of your uh, leadership journey but can you tell us how that happened and in terms of why are you always going to run your own business was that or is that something that happened quite organically was it a bit of a surprise to you or were you always headed for that seat it's it's a really good question um i don't know exactly what the answer is but i know some of the factors that are involved i mean i've always been uh drawn towards addressing 
uh, injustices <laughs> um, or tackling them or facing yes. them or challenging the status quo. Um, and I've got a few thoughts as to why that might be, you know, very, you know, early years in my upbringing, so on. Um, and also kind of, you know, go back into ancestry and the stories you're told about uh, injustices. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's always been uh, a part of my nature to challenge the status quo and to ask why. Uh, and, you know, some people love it and others get really annoyed. <laughs> uh, because sort of, why can't you just let it be? Or that's just the way it is or anything. And that to me is, it's, it's almost a thing to go after. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that sort of has lent itself to um, being, you know, wanting my voice to be heard only so that I can understand better why something is the way it is. Uh -huh. um, and that, that, that's something that I've always, I, as, for as long as I remember, I've had. And I think that has then just naturally sort of pushed me into leadership roles in various organisations. And because I, if, if I come to understand something to the point where it's clear something's not right or something needs to change, then if I have the confidence and the belief that I do understand what's going on or where something doesn't match reality to, to what it should be, mm -hmm. um, well, I'll, I'll do something about it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you're then an outspoken person on an issue that is true and people care about, then people will agree and listen and follow. Yes. Um, and so you, naturally it wasn't, what, you know, not setting out to be a leader, but certainly um, for me getting passionate about issues that exist where the, the, the solution is potentially obvious, but we've just always done it this way. You know, that's a classic phrase in certainly in occupational health. We've always done it that way. That, you know, going deaf has always been part of the job. Getting lifelong tinnitus and depression later in life, it's part of the job. It's like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's, let's, let's address that. Um, and then it's just who has the grit and the determination to want to challenge the status quo, because that's hard. You know, you're going to annoy people. Yeah, yeah. You know, people, and you're going to have to uh, educate people and explain it depending on who that person is in front of you in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is, I, don't, I don't know if it was always going to happen like that, but um, I suppose because I don't mind being uh, the one to point out the issue, yeah. that's sort of what's, what's uh, led me there, I suppose. Good for you. And so you've, in part, I guess you've already answered the next question in terms of, do you believe there are characteristics that all good leaders should have? Or is it case by case? I think, I think there are so many different types of, of leaders that, mm -hmm. uh, and, and everyone is a leader in OA, incredibly cliche, but I really believe that. Um, you know, the, the people around you, family, friends, teams, whatever it might be. Um, and, you, you know, there's, it, it's not the stereotypical leader, leader who is the, the loudest voice. You know, yeah. there's, you know, there's all sorts of different types of, of great leadership that can take place. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of characteristics of leaders, uh, I suppose it depends on what sort of leader we're talking about. But I think you have to care. I think that's, that's a starting point. Mm -hmm. um, care about something, whatever it is. And if you care about it, then you're going to be, um, you know, have no choice but to take action if you really care and that that inevitably makes you a leader um but at the same time i think you also need to recognize that um nothing can be done by yourself um and so there's there's definitely an element of of humility uh and um you know humbleness that okay you might be the one that identifies the issue and wants to sort of um, mobilize people and resources around solving that issue um but recognizing that that means nothing by itself. Um, and equally that ideas are incredibly cheap um, and it's all about how you execute on that and how you can bring people along on that journey and, and you know, align what you're trying to achieve with what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. 
Um, so all those things, I think, you know, are inevitable when it comes into, into leadership and, and the characteristics. Brilliant. And, and you mentioned, so you mentioned ancestry, you mentioned your, um, your upbringing. Was there an experience or a piece of advice that someone's given you in the past that shaped your approach to leadership that stands out for mm. you? Mm. Um, one that, that always comes to mind is uh, actually my headmaster from my secondary school, who I think it was probably on the first day uh, when as year sevens you all sort of gather in the assembly hall and they welcome you and whatever else. Yeah. And uh, the word that stood out to me from that was opportunity uh, and specifically grabbing hold of opportunity. Um, and that was something that, that stayed me for a long, long time. And it was only up until uh, I had to start refining what I focused on mm-hmm. um, that, that that sort of modified at all. But taking this idea of opportunities will be presented to you throughout your life. Um, and it's up to you to, to grab hold of them and identify them and make the most of them. And that, that's been a huge one. And so I would always pretty much say yes uh, for sort of probably the 10, first 10 or 15 years of my career two opportunities because I really believe in, in that saying, you know, you either succeed or you learn. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. and, and you, that's only going to happen if you're doing something first of all uh, yeah. and you might learn that you hate the thing or that you love the thing or whatever it might be so de- definitely that, that one that you know, you'll be presented with opportunities and it's up to you to grab hold of them um, until such time as you know exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve yes. with your life and then you can start saying no to things as well and that's also really important um, I think to, to say sort of going on that, that's probably one that, that comes to mind first but there are there are lots of other bits of advice that have shaped my uh, my career fantastic and and so it leads nicely on to my next question again if there was someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps so they were either really passionate about a cause and they wanted to start their own enterprise or they were in, a, in an employed role and about to take a step up into a leadership position is there mm. any specific advice that you'd give to somebody in that position either one of those positions or both yeah, definitely. I mean, well, that, that was definitely a case by case, um, depends on the person and what they're looking to do. But um, for me, I've always um, believed in this idea of, well, it's represented by the, the ikigai kind of methodology where you're sort of looking at what does the world need, what are you good at, and what yeah. are you doing um, and sort of finding your, your purpose in the middle of that. And I think that's, you know, I sort of had that that sense of things before I realized actually this is, you know, that's yeah. a, that something that's existed for thousands of years. Obviously it has. Um, but certainly identifying, you know, those, those three categories, basically, what, what, what are you really great at? What do you really love doing? What does the world really need? Um, and, and, you know, spending time on, on mapping that out. Um, I also think, you know, there, there's, there's cliches of being outside of your comfort zone and trying, trying different things and, and, um, yeah, I would say it's case by case, though. <laughs> Having given that general answer, uh, it would depend on, on the person because every, every person, you know, is going to succeed at something different. So, uh, but stepping up into leadership, make sure you care, make sure you're not afraid to fail, um, make, make sure that um, you, know, you, uh, you have a plan. Um, you know, there's, what are you trying to achieve um, in the end? Um, what's the sort of the, what, what do you want to aspire to be? Um, and kind of working it that way, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. And so we spoke before we started recording about the, the leaders that you particularly admire. So past or present, famous or otherwise, what, who's the leader that you would want to talk about this afternoon? <laughs> um, it's a really tough question. And although we, you mentioned it before, uh, I'm still not certain because there are so many amazing people out there and, and role models that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Having said that, the one that I can't shake from my head, and this is just, I suppose this speaks to their power of uh, personal brand, I suppose, um, is, is Elon Musk. Um, and I don't know if I'm proud of this or not, but um, for, the, for the fact that as a person, he is willing to put himself out there to uh, risk absolute failure um, almost every, every step of the way. But as an individual, he is... He, he has redefined so many elements of entrepreneurialism, of what it is to build a business, of what it is to scale. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot that I don't, you know, don't admire as well. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's you know personal life or whatever it might be, everyone's got their own character. But from purely a leadership perspective, um, I think the way that he can knows he needs to learn, continuously learn. Yeah. Um, and process information. But there's a lot that he just naturally has that's probably not fair to then sort of say, you know, he's, he's obviously making the most of opportunities that are presented as well, but he's got a lot of natural gifts that allow him to do that. And, you know, that luck and so on. So it's not really fair. I'm not, not saying this is a, an archetype leader in my mind at all, but he's one that I just can't shake when people say, who's, who's the leader you admire? Because I do admire him. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, it's really not about being the wealthiest man in the world. I don't even know if he still is that. Um, but just what he has achieved for in, in so many aspects, for good and bad. Um, I can't help but admire that. Yeah, absolutely. It's that laser focus, relentlessness as well. You relentlessness, can't, I, I can't and passion, help, yeah. Yeah, I can't help but admire that. But you're right, everybody has their own morals and personal characteristics and, uh, yeah, that all comes into it. And is there anyone else that you would you would state who else who else didn't quite make the cut when elon musk was unshakable at the top there <laughs> oh my goodness there are so many and, and the problem is the mind immediately goes to what you've recently read in the news i don't know about okay. you but, um, but I, I would say um my grandmother <laughs> um i'm trying not to be sort of corny here but um for me she really did uh shape a lot of my kind of beliefs around um, what it is to kind of live a life, live, live a happy life and so on. And, and it was, it was, and, that, and that's almost also the, the reflection of, of things because she was a very um, articulate and um, sort of interesting woman when you were one-on-one. -on -one. And as soon as there was a, a group environment, she would sort of fade into the background a little bit. And that was partly linked to her, to her hearing loss. Um, and it was spending uh, many afternoons with her um, that I really became passionate about um, health and well-being in later life in particular and, and really what you can do in, in earlier life around education and awareness and, and, you know, having the right standards and things in place so that a person um, doesn't get sick. Uh, mm -hmm. ultimately and so that 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 shaped me and I don't know if it's not necessarily in terms of leadership but certainly a person in my life who who shaped a lot of things that 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 followed yeah um I'd have to say uh yeah my grandmother oh I love that brilliant and, right. and so <laughs> don't apologize and I think it's a great example and and so in terms of leaders of readers is the is the if we're talking about cliches as we did prior to recording um what I really want to understand is what leaders of today are reading, and, and, and that could be the leadership books, it could be the autobiographies, it could be, are there any books that have, have stood out to you or that you've read recently or throughout your leadership career that really shaped your, your approach? Um, so certainly in starting from scratch, there was a lot of learning to do and, and you know, nothing can replace actually getting hands on, but mm -hmm. in any case, 
uh, I did read pretty much all of those, you know, the, the classic recent business books, um, or at least startup books, the hard thing about hard things, yeah. uh, zero to one. Um, and I, and I listen to a lot of them as well, um, on pod, uh, audio books and so mm-hmm. on. Um, but I would say that the, the, there's books that uh, sort of predate those that probably shape me more, um, from out, well outside of the, that, that scope, things like, um, there was a book that I always call back to in, in, in sort of thinking about what to prioritize, um, called uh, The Art of Loving, weirdly, um, by Erich Fromm. Um, and that was a book that really opened my mind into the different facets of each of, of a person, um, where it's not just you're a, a man or a woman or a brother or a sister or whatever. You, you actually, each person inc- incorporates all aspects of, of each of those characters to greater or lesser extent. And it's about, you know, in, in order to become a balanced person, First of all, being aware of who you are and then deciding who do you want to be uh, and, and sort of closing that gap over time. So that, that, was, that was always an interesting one that, that always comes back to mind. And, but I, I also love, I'm, I'm trying to get to, away from sort of factual business books like Atomic Habits or Factfulness yeah. or whatever, you know, these, these, the, the sort of the, the Vogue books, which I do read um, yeah. and more it's into sort of novel. It's not easy to get away though. It's not easy to get away from them, um, but I, I've got pretty good at putting down a book halfway through and not, not worrying about not finishing it. Um, so that, that's something. But, but certainly novels where I feel like the experience I've had over the last six and a half years as CEO and founder at Eve, um, there's a lot that I've learned that I'm, I'm in a position now to just implement and to, to act on those learnings in, mm-hmm. as things move forward. And, I, and now it's reading is as much about um, finding a new place or, or exploring new ways uh, and also new parts of my brain and, and exercising that other part of my brain. Because certainly, you know, growing up, I was always as passionate about art as I was about science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always looking for a way to sort of combine those, those two. And, and I, I, was to an, I was able to do that to an extent. And then it's, I suppose, in the last five, six, seven years, it's been much more on the, the business mm-hmm. and leaning into the sort of science and engineering side of things. But getting back to novels and, and creative writing um, is really important. So, you know, ones that have shaped me in the, in the past are books like Shantaram. Um, that, was, that was a fantastic read. And um, Grapes of Wrath, On the Road, uh, The Fountainhead, anything by Ayn Rand. You know, they'd be, and Isaac Asimov love, love some uh, classic sci-fi and so on. But yeah, I, I think... Um, Getting into novels again um, is is important, especially when the day to day is so um, structured and, and and kind of business focused now. Yes, yeah, you can't almost read a novel, can you? You kind of have to be in right. And if you're not enjoying it, then then drop it. But certainly, yeah. if, if it allows you to escape to a place or learn about a total different, totally different way of being, whether it is real or not real, uh, is quite exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. And so what's on the cards for Eve over the next six, nine, 12, 18 months? What can you share with us about what's happening within your business? Mm. Well, for me, the, the goal is, is all around, uh, as I mentioned before, healthy aging. Uh, mm-hmm. And the fact that we've started in noise and hearing um, is simply a result of that's where the majority of my career has been spent um, on the hands-on aspect. But it's always been part of that bigger thing around healthy aging and, and living well for longer. So 
where Eve will be going, uh, we'll be taking everything that we've learned from noise and hearing into a broader occupational health and well-being space um, and really creating a platform for the future of, of health and well-being at work. Um, so I can't reveal too much about that, but certainly building on as well everything we've done in, in noise and hearing with new products and functionality um, for people managing noise at work uh, and for people working in noise uh, is, of course, going to be what we're, what we're doing as well. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Exciting times. Brilliant. It is. It and, is. And so if people want to find out more about Eve, obviously they can go on Google and do a Google search, but where can they find you? Um, so they, anyone can find me on LinkedIn or send me an email. I'm, I'm always interested in, in speaking to people that are equally um, passionate, but also importantly involved in actually the, the actionable stuff. So making a difference in the workplace in particular. Um, you know, there's lots of things that I've, I've written and co-authored around how to do this stuff and how to protect people and look after people working in noise. Um, so, you know, always open to, to that conversation because I find that there's always interesting collaborations. We're also looking to collaborate with other people working in this space. Um, so providers of maybe a smart PPE, protective equipment, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's ways that we can collaborate and, because we're typically all working with the same end users and, and customers and yeah, yeah. our customers being leaders in construction and manufacturing you know they, they like it when you know subject matter experts can group together so that they don't have to speak to us all separately so that that's always something that's on my mind how we can uh, kind of create consortiums of solutions for for these big the corporates that have problems that we can solve mm-hmm. so yeah but but anyone that's interested in hearing a noise um I've, I've been doing it for a while now yeah fantastic brilliant david i really enjoyed speaking with you so thank you so much for taking the time brilliant. my pleasure amy thanks so much for having me on